0: There are times in your life where I can just be in God's presence and just feel him fill me up and it's just a beautiful thing. But there are times when there's stuff going on and we need to be in a warship. What you felt tonight was what God wants to do in your life regularly. He wants you to get in his presence like that regularly to go after the enemy, to take ground from the enemy, to stop backing up. That's what we've been called to do as a body. And so... What we're going to talk about tonight is how we get there and stay there on a regular basis. I know this is kind of going to be a little bit like oh, a mood killer for a second, but if you could throw up my slide for a quick second. Um, We have these two individuals up here right now. Um, The one on the right may not be familiar to you. I hope you saw the other guy before, but... Um, I just want to compare these two athletes, and I want to give you two scenarios tonight. Two scenarios. The first is going to be this scenario here. This individual, the one on the left, his name is Johnny Manziel. This guy was supposed to be one of the greatest football players. As a freshman, he was given the Heisman Trophy, which is first of his kind. He had accolades all throughout high school, all throughout college. 2014, he became the 22nd pick in the first round of the NFL draft. So this guy was going places, right? He played for the um, Browns for two years. That was it, two years, and then nothing. The other gentleman, which you may be rooting for tonight, Patrick Mahomes, was a bit of a wild card, interestingly enough. And the thing that when I started researching about him was that he was really not a favored athlete. And the reason being is because he was actually, his first sport was baseball. Which is interesting, his father played for the Major League Baseball. And so nobody wanted to take a chance on this guy because he threw the football like a baseball. And so they said, no way, his technique is wild. He's too out of play. He doesn't have good footwork, look at him, he throws it like he's throwing, throwing to second base, and nobody wanted to take a chance on him. Interestingly enough, Texas Tech, and then he was first round draft pick in 2017, and he signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. I want you to hear these two quotes, just listen to these two quotes that these individuals said. Johnny Manziel, both of them similar in their situation, similar in their station. Both of them NFL athletes. Yet listen to this, Johnny Manziel says this, he's quoted as saying, I had every single thing I could have ever wanted and when I got everything I wanted, I think I was the most empty I'd ever felt. Unfortunately, Johnny took himself out of his position because of drug abuse, sexual addiction, and scandalous behavior, and that jeopardized his position in the NFL. So he was not signed ever again. Is currently not playing. Patrick Mahomes is quoted as saying this, no one really sees pro athletes behind the scenes. They don't know how hard they work. They don't see how you work on the basics. They wouldn't possibly know. You wouldn't think that someone who hits like Alex Rodriguez needs to use a T every day, but that's how he stays on top of his game. And Patrick Mahomes is still currently in the NFL, and he is still playing for the Kansas City Chiefs, and is about to take his team to the fourth trip to the Super Bowl in five years. I wanna talk to you tonight about this difference between positional holiness versus behavioral holiness. He talks about this in the book, and we're in week four of The Awe of God, not week three. We're in week four of The Awe of God, and he talks about this difference between our position in Christ and holiness versus our behavioral holiness. These two gentlemen worked the same amount of time They were given the same opportunities, yet one of them squandered his position and the other one continues to work hard to maintain his position. And I think sometimes in the body of Christ, we forget that although we are not saved by works... There's still a work that has to be done in our lives. We still have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. What that means is I don't get to just be. I have to do something to be okay, to be all right, to move forward. And I I just, I want you guys to continue to maintain this picture as we get ready to go into this next part of where I want to compare Because here we have these athletes who are given the same position, yet one of them works really hard to maintain it and the other one squanders it. And as a result, you see the result. But I wanna talk about for a second, John Bevere also mentions this very interesting analogy which I've never heard and I love it so much. He talks about his wife, Lisa. And he said, Lisa is no more my wife 30 years later than she was on the day that we said I do. And I love this analogy because it's true. Contractually, she's his wife on the day she said, I do. Yet what makes him continuously fall in love with Lisa is that when they said, I do, certain behaviors fell away. She doesn't give her phone number to guys anymore. She doesn't call other men anymore. She doesn't give herself away or not spend time with John. She she does she pursues him they pursue each other's heart. Your behavior does not save you yet your behavior is what ushers you closer to the presence of God, and that is where I want to focus on tonight because we forget that our behavior has and plays a role in our relationship with the Lord. It's also your behavior why some people get victory and some people do not, and that's the truth. That's the truth. God talks about his bride as being, or or us as the church as being his bride. And he says it both in the New Testament, the Old Testament, Isaiah 54, five says, "'For your creator will be your husband. "'The Lord of heaven's army is his name. "'He is your redeemer, the holy one of Israel, "'the God of all the earth.'" So he gives us this language of him being the husband, we being the bride. Our relationship with him should grow closer. Again, positionally, I'm not any more a a daughter of the king of kings than the day that I raised my hand for salvation. Yet, my behavior should reflect my adoration for him. Revelation 19, 7 and 8 says this, let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given in the finest of pure white linen to wear for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. There's still works that have to be done in our life there's still behaviors that have to be changed and corrected in order for us to draw closer to him. The the very practical side of me wants me to just tell you, like I always tell you, just get up early and spend time with him every single day. That's the practical. But it also means engaging in worship sometimes and warship, going after those things in the spirit tearing down those strongholds in the spirit, not allowing things to be erected in your life just because life comes up and things are easy. I was praying for this church this morning and I was as I was praying I was thinking about all the families in our church who have made decisions that as for me and my house we're going to do things different. We're going to serve God differently. And and what you see in your families is that your children don't live the life that you lived. That your children live a different life, that they see things that are different because you made a choice. That's a behavior that's a behavior. We can't minimize that because what will happen is we'll be like, oh, oh yes, the the Lord did it, of course, and and it is God's grace who does it, but you have to make a choice in the matter. I have to make a choice every single day that this is my husband, every single day. I want to read you quickly a story of a a woman who did not feel this way. She did not feel this way. Hosea 3, 1 through 5 says this, Then the Lord said to me, and this is Hosea. If you don't know anything about Hosea, he was a prophet in the Bible. And the Lord told him, I want you to marry a prostitute because I want you to see, I want you to create this metaphor of what it looks like for me as God to be joined to this people, a harlot. This is what it feels like. So it says, then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord will the Lord still loves Israel even though the people have turned into other gods turned to other gods and love and love to worship them so i bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and 5 bushels of barley and a measure of wine let's just stop for a quick second right there there was a price for your salvation there was a price and God paid the ultimate price in his son. We're not talking about running after a woman and paying money for her. This woman was already his wife. She was already his wife, yet he ran and pursued her and bought her back. This is such a beautiful picture of God's love for us, because even in the lowest depravity of our sin, even in the lowest place where we could have been, where we were like, I'm nothing, I'm trash, I'm a prostitute, I'm a harlot, I'm terrible, Lord. I've turned away from you. He said, I'm still gonna pay for you. I, st- You're still mine. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During that time, I'm going to skip over because there's children in this room right now that I just glanced over at. Um, But afterwards, the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendants their king. In the last days, they will tremble in awe of the Lord and of his goodness. This picture is so beautiful. And the first question that I have to you today is positionally, are you in right relationship with God? Positionally. Are you in a right relationship with God? Now, there are some of you in this room today that might be like, I don't really quite understand what you mean. I mean, have you said, Lord, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want you to rule my life. I don't want to rule my life. I don't want to have this, you know, back and forth with you where I give you control and then I take it back. I say I love you, but then I take it back. I want you to lead me, I want you to guide me. And when we do that, when we submit to him, when we give him what we have and all that we have, positionally we are in right standing with him. That means you belong to him. That means that he has your affection, he has your attention, he has your heart. Romans 6, 7, and 8 says this, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. That's what positional holiness gives us. It gives us the ability to say, I don't have to walk in that course of sin anymore. I don't have to walk in that pattern, in that generational curse. Yes, I know that I may have the alcohol gene, but that doesn't mean that I have to be an alcoholic because God has freed me. He has delivered me. I know that my dad had an affair and his dad had an affair and -and so-and-so's dad had an affair, but that's not me. I don't have to have that. I'm changing the trajectory of my life. I'm changing the trajectory of my life and taking authority where previously I had given it over to the enemy, whether consciously or unconsciously. The second question I have for you is do you rely on God's empowering grace to live a holy life or am I trying to do it in my own flesh? Do you rely on his empowering grace? the only way that we can change our behavior, the only way that we can be consistent is through his empowering grace, not abusive grace, not the grace that says, oh, I'm, I know the Lord's gonna forgive me. Oh, I can lash out at my family because I know the Lord's gonna forgive me and they're gonna love me. Oh, I know I can say that without, you know, to my employees because I, I mean, I have the right to. It's his empowering grace that sustains us, that keeps us walking in a pattern. If you're back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, are you in a pattern of relying on the grace of the Holy Spirit? Or are you trying to do it in your own flesh? Because when we do it in our own flesh, we're going to try and fail and try and fail. But when we rely on the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, what we encounter is a situation and the Holy Spirit says, don't say it. And we say, you're right, I'm not going to say it. That's what that looks like. That, honestly, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9 says this. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work within me. Here's what I love. A couple of weeks ago, Richie shared about my dad, right? And some of you know, I I had dad issues growing up. My dad made a a statement early on or, or, you know, as I was older that he he didn't want anything to do with me. But it was interesting because Richie is telling this story, right, in church. And as I'm sitting there, all I kept saying was, thank you, Jesus, that he wasn't in my life. Thank you, Jesus. I wasn't crying. I wasn't sad. I wasn't emotional turmoil, whereas years before I would have been like huddled in the floor in a ball, crying my eyes out, weeping back and forth probably, you know, because it was such a deep wound inside of my soul that I could not shake it at times. I would walk into a room and feel empty and not know why I felt empty. I would walk into a space and I would see other people with their dads and I would feel like I'm always going to be less. I'm I'm never going to be enough because I didn't have a dad. But you know what was so amazing is through my husband through the work of the Holy Spirit, allowing God to be my father, that I can honestly say to you that I am so grateful that, he, that I had to rely on him as my father, that I had to say, Lord, I don't have this, but I have you. That's better. That's better. And so there are going to be these moments in our life where we're going to need his empowering grace It's going to require something of us. It requires action of us. Because in those moments where he says, I know you don't have, but can you rely on me? It's in those moments of empowering grace where we say, okay, I know that what you're speaking to me right now is truth. And I'm going to act accordingly. That's our word of the year, act. So instead of us saying like, I know what the Bible says, but it's just too hard. It's not too hard if we rely on the Holy Spirit. It is too hard if we do it in our own flesh. It is too hard to stay married in your own flesh, yet when you rely on the Holy Spirit and he says, hey, don't say that. Hey, you know what? Why don't you serve your husband today, even though you feel like he's been a little bit selfish? Hey, why don't you serve your family this afternoon? Why don't you do something kind? Shut the computer off, Misty, and be with your kids right now. When you can rely on the Holy Spirit for the little things like that, what you'll see is not little growth. You'll see exponential growth in your life, and that's really where we want to be. Lord, I'm grateful for the times when I planted a seed and I saw a little harvest, but what I really want is, Lord, give me a lot of seeds. So trust me with a lot of things, God, because in those moments where you trust me with a lot of things, I know I'm going to reap a big harvest. What that means is I have to be enlarged on the inside so that I can hold all of that. That means I have to be okay working a job, being a mom, being a pastor's wife, being in church, raising the kids, feeding them. You know, you have to be okay doing all of those things. You know who gives you the power to do that? Well, the Holy Spirit. That's your empowering grace. The third question I have for you is this. Do my behaviors reflect my respect, adoration, and love for God Or do my behaviors look more like Gomer's? I want you to think about that. Gomer was the prostitute. Gomer was Hosea's wife. Do my behaviors reflect my respect for God? Or do they look more like a harlot? If I say I belong to Christ, if I say he's my priority, but yet, I don't give. Where is my heart? If I say I love the Lord and I want to give him all, Lord, I love you, I'm going to give you all that I have. But in that moment where I want to cheat on my taxes and I want to, oh, yeah, just say I gave. Yeah, I did that. That's the behavior. We have the power inside of us when the Holy Spirit says, we don't, that's not what we do. That's not what we do. <laughs> that might be what you did, but that's not what we do. So, do my actions, do my behaviors, do they reflect my adoration for him? Or am I not willing to put in the work? We had two athletes up there, one of them willing to put in the work that it requires, the sacrifice that it requires. He said, Day, after day, after, I read a lot about him, but Patrick Mahomes said he, day after day, after day, after day, and he does the same thing every single day, the same thing every single day. He wants to be disciplined, He's passionate about this game. He wants to be the best. I wonder, as Christians, are we like, I hope I can just skate on in. Let me do the bare minimum, Lord. Don't require too much of me. Let me be in a worship service that's super comfortable on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Please don't make me go to that, you know, community chapel church at 6:30 at night on a Sunday night when nobody goes to church. Please don't make me miss a Super Bowl, Lord. <laughs> but it requires something of us. James 4, 3 through 4 says this. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure, you adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Is he saying don't have friends that are worldly? No, that is not what he's saying. But what he's saying is if my affections toggle between fleshly, earthly, and spiritual it means I'm not really gaining any ground. And one of the things that the Bible talks about is if you're lukewarm, he's gonna spit you out. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, not in the middle. Why, why, why not like an occasional, you know, Lord, I, I come to church on Sunday mornings, but like I do my own thing. Why, why not? Because we're not walking in the fullness that he died to give us. Am I, am I truly a, son, a daughter of Christ? if I'm not willing to sacrifice for him? Am am I truly Richie's wife if I run around on Richie? Right? Positionally I am, but behaviorally I am not. I want to ask you tonight, where are you? Positionally, are you in a good place? Behavioral are you taking steps towards drawing closer to the Lord, towards your affections growing, to where when he speaks to you that you're like, I actually heard you. Instead of saying like, I don't know, I'm just like trying to do what I feel like you want me to do. He's got something so specific for you every single day in his word. I promise you that, I promise you. Sometimes it's one little verse that completely changes the trajectory of your day. One verse. There's been days where I've just sat on one verse and the Lord has just given me pages of journaling. Why? Because all of a sudden I was in a position And I made myself available to his spirit so that he could speak and download what I need. All of those things that you need help you grow in your relationship with him so that your affections look more like what he wants them to look like instead of what we want them to look like. Lord, we're grateful for you. We're grateful for your presence. God, I thank you for inhabiting us tonight. Thank you for inhabiting the praises of your people. Lord, I pray for the areas of our life that don't honor you. God, those areas are behaviors that don't align with what we say. I pray tonight, Father God, that a shift would happen in our hearts, that a shift would happen in our souls, and that we would seek you first. God, that we would become hot, not lukewarm, God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us the words, Lord, that you would give us the direction and the insight. We thank you for your vision. Lord, I thank you that we have a vision that you have given us, Father God. Lord, I pray for the things that we have been believing you for for years that have not come to fruition. God, we call those things forth right now in Jesus' name. I thank you that there are businesses in this room that have not been started, but you've already given people the seed of that. I thank you that those things are coming into fruition. I thank you that there are children, Father God, that are coming back home to you. Father God, you see them. Lord, I thank you that you have a very short leash, God, and that you're bringing them back to you. God, we call for those things that are not as though they are. We ask, Father God, for you to align our hearts, align our spirits, so that as we do continuously reflect on you, God, that that awe of you, God, that fear, that holy, reverent awe of who you are, God, that that would stay before us. Lord, I pray for those areas of our life where we are battling between our old nature and our new nature. God, I pray in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would be the go-between in those areas. Lord, that you would backstop us, Father God, from walking back into old patterns, things that don't give life. God, I thank you in Jesus' name that you're moving us forward into all that you have for us. Holy Spirit, I ask for you to give us wisdom and direction and insight on what you have. God, I thank you that we're not wandering aimlessly. I thank you that, like Richie said, we are in the promised land. Yeah, there are giants. Yeah, there are things that we have to overcome, God. But I thank you that you've already given us the tools. You've already given us the insight. You've already given us the strategy on what it looks like. Lord, I thank you for eradicating generational curses. I thank you for eradicating those patterns and behaviors, God, that we've fallen to time and time again. Lord, let us see so clearly, God, the sin in our life so that we can run to you. Lord, above all else, we honor you, we praise you, we adore you, God, for those moments where you ran after us. Lord, when our hearts were like a harlot, Lord, when we wanted nothing to do with you, how you ran, you pursued. We thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. You've been a good God. You're so faithful. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.